Welcome to Look Behind the Look, the new podcast that examines iconic looks in film, television, music, and fashion history. I'm your host, Tiffany Bartok. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Look Behind the Look. I'm your host, Tiffany Bartok. So today's episode needs a little bit of context. I interviewed Jane Holland, who I'm going to be speaking with quite some time ago. I wanted to talk to her before Cowboy Bebop came out on Netflix. So she's the show's costume designer, and I was, of course, very interested to hear what she had to say and learn about the creative elements of the show. And due to crazy schedules, it was actually the holidays forever. It seemed like, and there were time zone challenges. So when we finally got together, it it took more than a minute to schedule our talk. And in that time, the show got canceled. Now, I felt like this would actually make our talk even more interesting, and I was actually right. Jane and I talk about the heartache and disappointment that artists experience when their projects come to an end. In this case, it was abrupt and without warning, and that was really interesting to talk about. I appreciate Jane's honesty, and I really loved what she had to say regarding all of this and could completely relate. I know that you will, too. So, we also, of course, discuss Spike Siegel's insanely cool blue suit and and wait for it, Xena, warrior princess. Yes, Jane had a life with Xena, and we talk about it. Enjoy. So what brings you back from the dead? A week ago, I did a job, a bounty. I had a partner, believe it or not. He know what you used to be. Will I ever see you again? They tried to kill me, Anna. If you need to find me. I go by Spike Spiegel these days. Um... So today, it's nice to meet you, uh, you Zoom and all that good stuff, and, and it enables us to be together, even though you're in New Zealand, which is fantastic. Um, and today, we are supposed to be talking about Cowboy Bebop, which was an incredible feat for you. Um, <laughs> do you want to talk a little bit about your, um, you were the costume designer for the show? Yes. And um, do you want to tell me a little bit about how you came to this project, uh, this particular one? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, there's a there's a film community in New Zealand, and um, you know, there's a few of us that sort of that work on the international platform from working from here. There's a, there's you know, we do have a history of shows coming to New Zealand, and particularly shows that um, involve a lot of manufacture. I mean, I think that that's something that we do really well here is that we have a really great craft base and technical base to you know to, for original costuming so you know a lot of the projects that I've been involved in in the past um, you know require those skills and basically when an international production comes here they meet people and um, you know whoever's available and and you take it from there it's an interview process yeah. I had read that you were unfamiliar with Cowboy Bebop un- until the show you were introduced through this last Netflix iteration. Is yeah. that is that right? I'm, I'm the same way. Yeah, that's way. right. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know if it's a generational thing or, or you know, I mean, it's just not a genre that I had mm-hmm. delved into, but the youth in my world had. Um, so, 
you know, as soon as I realized what it was, and, you know, especially as soon as, as soon as I looked at the source material, I was really, you know, I mean, it really opened a door for me. Um, the, the anime is extraordinary. There's so, there's just so much in there, but I loved the, you know, the, the sort of the abstract and surreal storytelling, you know, how it can leap from one thing to another very quickly. And, you know, the pacing <clears throat> is extraordinary. The music was extraordinary. And the characterizations, there's so much in there that was just super cool. So I, I guess I, um, you know, once I was aware of the project and started looking at that source material, I dived deep. But I also connected with the youth in the world and my world who really are anime fans. Mm. Um, just to, you know, kind of, I felt like I had to, to understand a bit, a bit about that world and you know, the, the fan base to be able to take on the, you know, the task. And yeah. so what, what was the through line? How did you, I mean, I'm just blown away by how you did that. I don't even walk me through how you even did this because it looks like a game. It looks real. How did you make this fluid and work? Well, you know, I mean, it, it's a real creative collaboration, I think, of, of um, working out how you bring something to life. And, you know, I mean, I think within the um, having source material is great. It, it gives you, you know, a lot of inspiration and it gives you place, places to draw ideas from. But, you know, there's a real, um, you know, there's a real leap between um, something that's that genre to to yeah. um, create something live action, but also we, I, I mean, I think that what we were doing with Bebop is, you know, really quite new and yeah. exciting and a world that I haven't seen before. And you know, for me, it was sort of like, you know, there's 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 sci-fi, there's fantasy, there's um, you know, there's western, there's there's so many different um, elements that are that are drawn together in, in the world that we um, we created. And I think finding our own authenticity was the really important thing. So, you know, it's like you have to find a new expression, and it's a different genre and and um, you know, kind of working out the the feet for that, so that you're standing in a really strong place. I think yeah. the conceptual work that we did was really important. And we had, you know, we created a language, and then between different departments, um, you know, working with the actors, like the directors, the showrunner, um, we were able to create our bebop language, um, which was really extrapolated from the anime. Mm. And um, you know, created our own our own world, which was expansive. It's it's pretty fast. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And oh my gosh, I have to say, it is just one of the best creative experiences. Really, had as a costume designer, there's so much freedom. Um, because I mean, I think one of the things that I took was like literally like looking at the title, the cowboy and the bebop. I took those two things, and the thing about Bebop, and obviously the soundtrack is, you know, runs mm -hmm. through the anime into the series. So, you know, that was really strong. But the whole movement of Bebop was about breaking restraint, breaking free, improvisation. And I really, you know, sort of embraced that um, conceptually in the way that I approached the costuming. Um, we used a lot of vintage pieces in the background 
but we were never period. We would take a period and we'd mix it in with something else and then we'd just find the twist that mm. made it original and kind of made it sing. So there was a real, um, yeah, there's a real freedom, I think, in creating a world that doesn't exist. Um, but there's also just something that is really grounding about having, you know, somewhere to reach back to um, as our, you know, sort of touchstone, which was the anime. Right, right. But then yeah. along with that, was there a pressure with it being so beloved and and having such a fan base? Did you feel any kind of pressure? Um, I don't know if it was pressure um, so much um, as awareness. Um, uh -huh, uh -huh. You know, I mean, I think we were all aware. Um, and I, you know, without sort of being one of those fans, I can understand why it's so beloved. Mm -hmm. And I think we all could, like the moment that we started to, you know, sort of dive into this creative experience, um, we had our own love for the anime, which we'd come at from a different place from right. fans. But um, so I think there was an awareness. Um, and I mean, for me personally, what I wanted to do and the work that I was doing was to be considered and to go drill deep and find my own complexity and intricacy and um, you know, create my own authenticity that I really hoped would translate that the depth of that work and, you know, the love and the craft that went into everything um, would translate in a new way. Um, because, you know, it's a, it's a, a new portrayal of, of that material. So that, that was really what, how I felt. I felt an awareness and I tried to just sort of tap into that Mm -hmm. um, you know that that um the, the love for the material yeah mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm I I wonder was the first thing that you created was it Spike's suit that to um, me is the the standout I mean it, is that your favorite creation or is it just it's so hard so hard so, to say so many a, a favorite creation because really it, it was just it was such a ride and it was fast it was just this crazy train um, because, you know, you don't just create one thing. It's an action show. So, you you know, you, you design a, yeah. a costume and then you have to make a whole lot of them. And most of, most of the, um, certainly for, for speaking roles, um, it, it was all made in-house. So, yeah, I had started wow. with Spike Spiegel. I mean, of course, I just started <laughs> with Spike Spiegel because... Well, that was my way in, really. Mm -hmm. I think that mm -hmm. that was my way in to finding what the core inspiration was going to be that then would inform everything else. And so, you know, for me, what it was, was to take what was in the anime, which is, you know, a strong look, um, but there's just such a vibe, you know, it's like he's so sort of cool and, um, nonchalant and um, uh, effortless um, but then yeah. it does this crazy fighting so you know there's all of these action sequences and so the, 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 that suit had to do a lot of work 
And aesthetically, you know, there's this, it's like, well, what is it? There's a, a, a single lapel, um, there's, you know, a fastening on the side, it's kind of like a slightly boxy and then the skinny leg, it's like, you know, it's not a literal suit that you can go, oh yeah, that's a suit from the 1950s, that's a right. 1980s suit, you know, it's a, it, it's, it's a, a, a bit of a cacophony. Um, so I had to find my way into it, into the design of it. And in doing that and really embodying the adjectives is, is what I was doing. Um, using the color, using the, um, you know, the, the, the signatures of the single lapel, the side fastening, all of that stuff, but finding the cut and the fabric, the play with light, the fall of the fabric, the movement, the design that you could do all of that fighting with and um, action and everything else that happened. All of that stuff is what fed into working out what the actual design lines were. And it's beautifully tailored, um, which was really important, like the fit and how it, you know, how it sits, you know, and there were a lot of, there were things, John Cho and I talked about it before he came to New Zealand, which is really great, you know, and I like to be able to do that with actors to, so that we're on the same page. With, so when they arrive for the fitting, um, you know, you've already got a bit of a, you, you already have, have got a, um, you're working from the same place. Right. So when I talked to, when I met him in Los Angeles and, um, you know, he was, one of the things that he talked about then was this, the way that John Cho, the, the, sorry, the way that Spike Spiegel moves and this thing where he has his hand in his pocket and there's a particular angle uh, of the So that was a detail that we built I in. love that. Where the pocket sat so that then he could get that right angle, um, but also that you could still get the space. So that was like, you know, how wide the sleeve was. Um, finding a language that and tailoring that, had the sophistication of the vibe of the anime, but also had those slightly odd details of the single lapel and the, the side fastening. You know, I mean that 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 took a bit of a bit of work to um, to embody all, mm -hmm. of, all of those adjectives. So I mean, I loved it. And you know, the other thing was was how much story I could jam into it. Right. Um, you know, so. <clears throat> I mean, I, I draw with a pencil on paper and um, that's my design process. And the, every line is, I'm thinking about the fit and you know what, what needs to work and the function. Um, <clears throat> so in that process, you get to that bit where you get to that fastening. It's like, okay, so what is this fastening? And um, you know, I thought, okay, well, you know, I had a button fastening and then it's, well, what can I add to the button? Um, what kind of motifs can I add in here? Do we, you know, and, and that took me to the backstory of Spike Spiegel and the fight like water. And so I used water as a motif and, you know, the, and the nod to the Japanese origin of the, um, of the character. I used the kanji symbol for water engraved onto those two sterling silver battle, buttons which aren't round, they're just this beautiful oval wow. and really beautifully finished with and, and engraved with the kanji symbol for water. And then, you know, I had this idea early on about, you know, 
embodying the cowboy aspect right right um, which is in the anime with you know there's quite a lot of cowboy hats and things but trophy buckles was something that I just you know decided I wanted to use so I gave Spike Spiegel a trophy buckle which is um made by our in-house jeweler and it's a beautiful piece layered um with a wave and also with this um symbol for water and then the tooling of his belt is just a really i mean it, it's um it's subtle um but a um, a wave tooled into the belt um the lining of his jacket i printed with roses um which were drawn by the same person who did the hand painting on julia's costume the so detail, that, my God. Yeah, but just, it was just so that then, you know, this character is a broken heart and he's carrying the rose, these roses inside. And nobody necessarily sees that detail or, um, or notices it. But I think, you know, for the actor, it gives yeah. this costume that they're wearing every day, you know, for, for a season, it, it gives them something that, adds to it becomes part of the character and that's what a signature costume does um so yeah i mean that's quite a long-winded um story about no it's beautiful this, about spike's costume but that was that really gave me my way into how i was going to approach all the characters it's you know take like if they existed in the anime to take them from there and then draw all of the threads i possibly could how could i build that into um, a costume that when the actor put it on, it became part of the character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool, cool process. Wow. And when it happens, when you get to that point, when you've done all of that fine tuning and there's that moment where you go, oh, there's Spike Spiegel. That's really there cool. he is. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Then, and this is a very silly question, but was there only one suit? No. Oh, no, there's a... There's a <laughs> of suits um, and in fact actually there's one beautiful moment in the anime like there's a thing with signature costumes it's like well how does this person wear the same thing every day right and then they get shot up and then the next time yeah, you see yeah, them of course clean again you know how, how does that work which is you know something which is a, a genre thing for um any show that uses signature costumes but there is this really lovely um moment in spike's um cabin in the bebop um, and it's after he's had his arm injured and the, the suit's been destroyed, right, by, right. you know, burnt. Um, and there's a moment where right. you can see inside the closet and there's um, there's several suits lined up in that closet. So, you I'm going to have to take a look. He had, yes. he had more than one. We had a hell of a lot more. Um, <laughs> because not only did we have the... Um, you know, the suit, the, the, the everyday suit, we had to have the suit that um, you could fit the padding under that you could use for a harness. We had to have a stunt double version of everything, a body double version of everything. Um, so you, you need a lot, you need to make a lot. The, uh, the tailor was continuously making because we would destroy, you know, we'd use squib hits or right. know, damage. Um, and then, you know, we'd be constantly replacing them. Wow. So th this was all hands on deck. This was, you have a, like a studio, a, your own costume, um, like stu studio here. Yeah, we had, we had, um, I mean, it was a, a warehouse that we turned yep. into a costume department. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, with, and within that, um, 
under that roof. Um, <clears throat> there, there were maybe a core team in the workroom of, in the costume department, the core team was probably around about 50. Okay. Um, but it would expand a bit, you know, when we, when we got busy and there was a bit of stuff that we did offsite, which like the, the tailors, um, didn't work in the, the, who did most of the men's tailoring, um, didn't work in the building, but we had, you know, a textile area where, um, the stitches and the pattern makers work, um, hand finishes. So, you know, the, the, the fabric based area. Then we had a jeweler costume props where we did leather work. We did molding. We did, you know, we made masks. We made a teddy bomber head. Um, you know, we made the elders, um, mm. you know, we made lots of belts and bags and, you know, accessories. We, um, you know, sort of changed boots into, you know, sort of with interesting straps and buckles. You know, we did we did a lot of a lot of stuff in that area. Um, and then there's the aging and breakdown, which is really important, like, you know, to yeah. take all of this new stuff and make it look lived in. Because that grittiness of yes. the um of the anime was something that was really <clears throat> was really important. Um mm. so the the aging and breakdown part of it. <clears throat> and then dyeing, fabric, printing, um, you know, we would, um, if, if we had a t-shirt with a design on it, we'd find something that resonated so that then, you know, we would have, it would be meaningful, whatever it was. Um, and then we wow. had an area where we did all of the, the background costuming. Every extra um, who and stunt player that came through was, you know, individually styled. Um, yeah, and then the infrastructure part of the of the department, you know, where we, you know, sort of manage everything. So yeah, quite a big department under the same roof. Cool place to be. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like the technical ability, it is just it's my happy place. It's it's really wonderful. Yeah. Now now do you build this type of setup for every show that you work on? Is this something that you have forever and and sh certain shows come and go? Oh or? my gosh, no, this is the tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> Not forever. No. Um, <clears throat> the way that it works in New Zealand is that we're all freelancers. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we really are a community of, of, um, of practitioners. And people come together and work on a particular show, and that, and then when that show finishes, they disappear. And then you know, you have a core team that you, you know, that you might like yeah. to, that you might approach first. Um, but yeah, there's no guarantee. It's a moving, it's a moving pool, which is one of the things that I think is really quite wonderful about our industry, um, and. You know, we are really connected with all of the shows that happen here. Like there's people who worked on Sweet Tooth who also worked on Cowboy Bebop. There's people mm -hmm. who worked on Lord of the Rings. Um, you know, there's techniques that, that I've developed in my costume department um, that people have taken and used on other shows, vice versa. I mean, we're really, you know, sort of building a collective community of, um, of practitioners. And I find that really exciting. Yes, of course. But it, your heart must be broken when you hear the show isn't renewed and it must just uh, be like, I, oh, I can't. I mean, you know, I, I, I can't begin to describe the disappointment that um, that I feel personally. Of course. Um, you know, I believed in the show. I think we did a beautiful job. Yes. I think it was super cool. 
And I really think that a second season is when it starts to fly. I know. Um, you know, I think there was a big ask, like we had to break through, not, not just, you know, like break through to find an, a new fan base, you know, that, and it felt like it was, it felt like it was going to fly. Um, yeah, I, and I'm not the only one who's just like devastated by the fact that we don't get to, you know, sort of continue what we started because we had so much more to, so much more to, to, to do. Um, oh, yeah, I'm so, so sorry. Ideas. It's really I, disappointing. Yeah, I know. I I was really sad to see that because I just feel like n- there is not enough time for people to get invested anymore. And I I mean, one season. Remember the days when it was 22 <laughs> episodes. You know, and yeah. now it's like eight or nine is a yeah. lot. You know, so uh, maybe you know it can be revive through another network who knows who knows who knows oh my gosh I I mean you know it's really hard to understand how all yeah. of that works and of course and, you know what happened like you know what happened yeah because we felt good and yeah you know and we had so much more to so much more to to tell and do and you know I know I mean my the costume department um we're had planned like a pre-Christmas drinks to just connect because we were about to go into season two in the in the new year um and it just it turned into a pity party because oh, no. it was like okay a few days before that um I mean it, it happened so quickly yes um, it was really fast yeah Yes, yes. Oh, I'm so sorry yeah. to hear that. But yeah, I, what happens with all that you created then? Do you, what happens uh, well, to it? Yeah, so uh, this is, this then becomes the next production. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you do with all the stuff? Mm-hmm. How do you pull it all apart? Where does it go? Um, all of this, you know, all of this stuff that you've put so much yeah. Um, and energy into becomes valueless and, um, wow. and we have to get rid of it so it's it's wrapping a show is um yeah it's a bit of an emotional experience sure. I mean, you know you have to get into the rhythm of it and then it's all about you know getting to the end point but actually walking back into that um walking back into our workroom um, which I will do at the beginning of like I'll do in January is going to be tough because mm. there's a lot of hopes and dreams in there. <gasps> oh, I really feel for you, Jane. That's yeah. just, I, I, I really was thinking about that before I, I wanted to talk to you today because I, and I, I'm glad we're talking about it because I mean, I can relate to when things are over and it's, it's when they, when they feel like they were, um, cut short like that is truly mm. the worst. So I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, but I, I appreciate all of the beautiful work that you yeah. still will have on there forever. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, you know, we're prepared for it. I mean, it's right. the, the industry, sure. and, um, but you know, it, 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 I mean, it, it is, it is disappointing when it's something that is so unique, Yeah, you know, I mean, I feel privileged to have had this opportunity and to have had this kind of like this just wacky creative journey with with Bebop and and you know to be honest I feel really bonded with 
um, a lot of people with the, those core actors. I mean, you know, they were really extraordinary and our collaboration was, was pretty deep. Um, the showrunner, Andre, what an amazing um, force to, to work with. I mean, he, he has an incredible mind and, you know, he's all over so many things, but he's really interested and gives time and it's important, you know, and, and that is a really precious um, collaboration. Um, so, yeah, and the directors, but also, you know, my sort of my peers, the, mm -hmm. um, the production designer, Gary Mackay, um, wow. great for us force. As, as, you know, as peers in the New Zealand industry to work on a show like Bebop together and to sort of do all of this world creating and Grant Major was sort of at the beginning, but, you know, Gary did the, the series. So, yeah, I mean, those relationships are really, um, are, are really valuable and wonderful. And, and one of the beautiful things about the, the film industry and that sort of, you know, coming together, busting apart, coming together on different things, Every show has a different energy and, um, you know, every show is precious, actually, because mm. you can't, I don't think that you can <clears throat> do good work without being really invested. I think you have to be engaged. You have to have something at stake. So mm -hmm. I freely, um, you know, will tell you how disappointed I am because I was invested and I really cared. And, um, you know, that's the way to do good work. And, um, you know, yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate you sharing that because I was very curious about, about how you were <laughs> feeling about all that. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how you got started in the, in the industry? I love origin stories and our, our listeners love to hear <laughs> how things got, you know, when you were, yes, a wee I, I can, I was cast in a commercial and, you know, I was sort of like sitting there as, as an actor and, um, I was watching the, the um, art department guy doing all of his stuff and there was a, a thing where everything had to fly up and get embedded in the, in the wall behind okay. our, our performance. And I was watching him do all of that. And I just thought, oh, that's I cool. Want I want to do that job. And um, that really is what unlocked the idea of working, of, of finding out more about the film and television. Ah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I found my way into it. I ended up going to the, uh, I, um, I started working as a costume standby as an onset, um, dresser. Yeah. I mean, we call it costume standby here. Okay. It's, you know, it's the, it's the onset costumer. Mm -hmm. Um, and <clears throat> I worked on the piano, which is a oh, Jane Campion yeah. film. Um, and, and that film was so pivotal for me um, for so many reasons. Um, you know, the, the film itself was extraordinary. The producer was a woman, the director was a woman, the um, costume designer, Janet Patterson, was just oh, like such an incredible creative being and, and person. Um, you know, it was really incredibly inspiring. And, you know, I looked after Anna Paquin and Holly Hunter, and we had these amazing Victorian costumes and original lace, and we were in the mud and the rain. It was the most challenging onset job I thought that I could ever do. And that wow. really, I thought, after, I thought, I've done it now. 
I need to do something else. And so from there, I went to film school in Australia, um, to the Australian Film, Television and Radio School to study design because I kind of needed some qualification <laughs> to give me, you know, sort of license to, to kind of to, to move up the chain. And, and that was a really cool, you know, in terms of developing voice and creative process, that was really cool. And then from there, I just found my way, came back to New Zealand and found my way through the, the New Zealand film industry. Um, and I've done a lot of international productions here. One of the things that's kept me here is that I have three children um, who are now grown up. Um, so, you know, things have changed, but, um, you know, they, they're Māori and it was important to us that they learnt their language and their culture. So they went through a bilingual education system, um, which really kept us here. Like that was really important that, that to, for us that they had that. So I, I stayed here and had become, you know, sort of really part of this film community in New Zealand. Um, but yeah, now that they have all left school and they're all doing their own thing, um, you know, it's I, I feel free to explore the world. So, I mean, you know, there's something perhaps about the timing of, well, actually traveling the world at the moment is a little tricky, but, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, there's, there's something about the timing perhaps of, you know, what's happening now to, you know, maybe it's a, it's a you know, there'll, there'll be new things in a, in a new way, maybe. I'll, of course. Further afield. I mean, I'm a traveler anyway. I mean, that's part of my being. It's part of the creativity mm. that I bring to costuming. So, you know, I'm really interested to explore what happens next. Of course, of course. Yeah. How, where in your career did you meet Zena? <laughs> oh, okay. Where did I meet Zena? Well, quite early on, actually. Um, yeah, so I'd come back from film school and, um, you know, there was this weird show that was happening called Hercules <laughs> and it was sort of like, oh, my gosh, what, what is this? Like, you know, and this is the thing about genre. Like, I was like, who's going to watch it? And then right. look at what happened. I mean, how can you ever tell? Look at what happened. Um, exactly. So I, I, I worked with Barbara Darrow was the um, was the costumer that the costume designer and she's an incredible for Hercules designer. What's it for for Hercules? For Hercules. Okay. And Zena Lucy Lawless came in as a as a guest role, and then um, Barbara and I both left and went and worked on the Frighteners, Peter Jackson's film. Oh yeah, um, of course. And then they went into um, the you know the episodic. Um, Zena series. Um, oh, I so see. That, I see. That sort of started started up, and Nyla Dixon um, went in there as the costume designer, who then went from there to Peter Jackson and did Lord of the Rings, and that's right. You know, her her project. So so yeah. So Nyla was doing Zena. So I'd met Zena um, as, <laughs> as a guest role. Um, but then when Nyla left Zena after several series, by then I'd built up, um, you know, my career as a costume designer. Um, and I'd designed Young Hercules with Ryan Gosling. Oh my God. Yeah, which yes. was pretty cool. Like I think, <laughs> I don't know, he was 18, 19, like he was, he was young. Um, 
so I, I, you know, I mean, I was part of that, um, part of that family, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when Nyla left um, Xena to go and do Lord of the Rings, that's when I stepped in and I did the, I, so I designed the last two seasons of Xena, the last season of Hercules, and then two other shows that were brought in. I mean, I can't believe that we did this. And I also had my second child somewhere in the middle of this. Oh my um, God. Yeah. You have to be a particular kind of person to embrace that kind of madness. I, I, yes. Have any of your children followed in your footsteps? Are they in the film industry? Um, yeah, well, they're all related. My, um, my oldest, my son um, studied music composition. Wow. Um, so he's really interested in, in film um, scores, composition and, and sound production. Um, but he's also worked, you know, his, you know, as a, it's a good job for when you're when you're young to work on set. So he's worked yeah. on set in costume. Um, my middle daughter has just finished art school. Um, she painted the roses on the Julia costumes. Oh wow! And she drew the rose that is printed inside the John Cho jacket. Fantastic. Um, so she's she's been part of the costume department. Um, you know, in, in a in a creative way, and and also they, they all want to work on set because it's so cool to work on set. So she's she's doing a bit of working on set now, and then my youngest is a um, is a spoken word poet, but has also done directing and writing at, at film school. And my partner is a screen is, is a well, he's an author as well as a screenwriter and director. So she's more you know sort of of him. Uh huh. Um, the middle one is probably follow, following closer in my footsteps and Tim is his own beautiful being. Yeah. Wonderful. So, yeah, that's the thing, I guess, if they are brought up in the film industry, that's where they belong. They, that's, that's their home. Talk about family business. That's amazing. <clears throat> yeah. We just made, actually, like after Cowboy Bebop, we just made, um, <clears throat> which, which we're just finishing now, this beautiful... Um, short drama um which we were all involved with and my partner and um and Matsureki the youngest one co-directed the three of us wrote it together um Mahina the middle one and I costume designed it and she ran the set and Tihem has done the music for it and it's just a beautiful Maori um supernatural story um how which, cool yeah it's a beautiful gem so you know there is the a tiny little thing it's a world away from from bebop <clears throat> but it is just part of that creative expression and yeah um, you know, and doing the working in the in the the, the um the world that you love you know yes. storytelling world oh that's mm-hmm. wonderful that's great and how can can anybody see that mm. or is it um it's gonna be it, it's for an anthology series which <gasps> um television new zealand have commissioned oh neat um, but we're also looking at packaging it with two of the other two of the other because they're sh- they're sh- short. shorts. Yeah, so t- two of the they're half hour episodes. So we're looking at, at packaging it with two other Maori stories um, as a feature film. So yeah, maybe. Oh, fantastic! Well, yeah. we'll we'll put it out there in the universe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, Jane, it was so wonderful to talk to you. And I, <clears throat> I loved Cowboy Bebop, even though I didn't know anything about it. I just loved watching it and the style was incredible. And yes, and there's no denying that your work was incredible on it. So Thank you. More Thank of you. that. Yes, it was amazing. So I, I look forward to what's next from you, even if it's world travel. And I'm sure that will lead to great inspiration and your next amazing project. And then I'll be talking to you about all of that. Oh, thank you so much. In the meantime, I will see you again. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. I will have more for you next time. Please continue to share the episodes with someone that you think will love them as much as you do. And thank you so much for always liking, following, and pinning. I really, really appreciate it. Until next time. Look Behind the Look is a Vinyl Foot production written by me, your host, Tiffany Bartok. Produced by Jace Bartok, edited by Nicole Tucker, with art design by Kelly Riley. If you're interested in learning more, find our video version on the YouTube channel, Look Behind the Look Podcast. There you can see rare photos and clips from our guests. And please follow us on Twitter at LookBehindPod and Instagram at LookBehindTheLook. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. And tell your friends and spread the word. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or any podcatcher of your choice. Thanks for listening to Look Behind the Look.